Okay, people, we have reached that time again. I know, people, I know. But we're coming to the end of another episode. Now, before we do, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. Okay, so um, you knew it was coming, right? You knew it was going to happen. That's right. Netflix renewed um, Enola Holmes. Renewed? I mean, they set the sequel, right? Set the sequel. And um, we know that, um, yeah, most of the peoples, they're coming back. Millie Bobby Brown, you know what I mean? Henry Cavill, uh, Louise Partridge, um, David Fuelis, you know, Susan Wakoma, Abdul Akar, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Hannah Dodd, Abby Hearn, Gabriel Tierney, Serena Suling Bliss. Um, but we just found out Helena Bonham Carter is coming back as a mother home. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the first, yeah, that's probably interested you. All right. So, um, hey, Rubber Tree Productions have just greenlit the woods, right? So, this is a story that centers on a teenage girl suffering from anxiety due to a tragic event from her past. She finds herself hunted through the woods by a sociopath on a murderous campaign. It's been directed by Michelle Schumacher. Um, she co-wrote the screenplay with Caroline Carpenter. Um, Randall Schumacher is producing... And the film is going to be starring J.K. Simmons, Alan Leach, Fernanda Urigela, and Isabel Ari. So, um, yeah, there you go, people. I mean, I do like a bit of J.K. JK Simmons. He's been, uh, yeah. Getting older, but hey, he's not losing it, right? Um, now, I mean, I don't know, man. I wasn't really feeling the gentleman, but you know, Guy Ritchie supposedly coming back with a rap of man, and um, yeah, he's got another piece all ready to go as well. Right, so um, it's going to be called Operation Fortune, uh, starring, obviously, Jason Statham, Audrey Plaza, uh, Josh Harnett, Harry Hughes, uh, Buggy Malone, Hugh Grant, and um, it follows an MI6 operative played by Statham a CIA agent played by Plaza who attempt to stop the sale of deadly technology after being enlisted into the Five Eyes Network. So, um, yeah, 
we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Okay. So uh, you know we're getting a Wonka, right? The prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's a musical coming through Warner Brothers, right? Timothy Chalamet is going to be playing um, the young Wonka himself. Um, we know that, right? Um, we also know, people, that uh, Paul King is writing and directing it. Uh, with some help from Simon Farnby. But we have uh, we've got a pretty big cast, man. So Oliver Coleman, right? Sally Hawkins, both Oscar winners. Rowan Atkinson, Jim Carter. Yeah, uh, we've also got Matthew Brayton, Tom Davis, Simon Farnby again, uh, Rich Fulcher, Colba Holbrook-Smith, Patterson Joseph, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Callum Blaine, Matt Lucas, Colin O'Brien, Natasha Rothwell, Ray Keefucker, and Ellie White. So, um, yeah, Wonka is definitely coming together, it would seem, right? Um, now, I, I kind of find this interesting, right? So, uh, NK, uh, I always pronounce her name, Ryan, uh, NK Jemison, right? The uh, fantasy author. Well, she's got a trilogy titled The Broken Earth. And Michael B. Jordan, his production company, have just picked up the rights to the story, right? Which unfolds on a harsh futuristic earth and a continent called The Stillness, which endures seasonal apocalyptic events that shape the world and its inhabitants during these seasons so i imagine it will be part of um children's amazon deal so yeah you got that to look forward to uh matthew vaughan right he's got argyle coming through apple which is um a uh, a spy thriller that supposedly is one of the best bits of Relax, spineless that uh, people have read for a long ass while, and it's the star of a tentpole, right? Well, I mean, it's meant to be the, the beginning of a trilogy. I'd say a trilogy is a tentpole, right? I kind of feel. Um, anyway, Arena the Boss has just uh, landed herself a role in the production. Um, no word on her role, right? But she will be joining Henry Caval, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, Samuel Jackson, and Jupa Lupi. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, Netflix. You know, what I mean? they, they, you know, they've got the Miller World comics, 
and they've also, yeah, they seem to be doing a few dark horse things, right? And the next up from Dark Horse is an adaptation of Department H. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be from Alice Waddington, right? She's going to be bringing this to uh, to our screens. And it's set after a renowned scientist, right? And um, mis- who is mysteriously killed in a deep sea research station, right? So what happens when a renowned scientist is killed? Well, you tap his estranged daughter to um, come six miles underneath the surface of the sea to investigate the murder. All right? Pressure building and the water rising, she must race against time to solve the murder as she uncovers the truth behind the station's purpose. So T.S. Norlin is going to be writing the script. Uh, the comic was created by Mike Richardson, Keith Goldberg, and Paul Schwalk. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. There you go. Um, also, there was word recently, you know, John Watts has got a new film starring George Clooney and Brad Pitt, right, which um, centers on two lone wolf fixers assigned to the same job. Um, it's being written and directed by uh, old uh, Johnny Boy Watts. Well, it turns out Apple have just landed the rights to that one. Supposedly, it was a bit of a fierce a bidding war, too. There you go. Um, and let's end with this. Because it is, I don't even know, man. It seems intriguing, but, you know, it really does sound like we're going to get a Gladiator sequel. You know, Ridley Scott recently did an interview with um, Empire Magazine, and he said, I'm already having um, the Gladiator written now. So when I've done Kit Bag, which I'm looking forward to that one, Gladiator will be ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? So I I don't think there's any uh, concrete on where this story is going, how they're doing it. You know what I mean? But people... It's coming. All right. So, yeah, there you go. Hope you enjoyed the reviews. You know what I mean? And remember, go to the episode information if you want to go and see um, They Get Away with Murder or Murders. You know, for all for the you know, all the screenings happening around the country. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, we're done. We are done. Hey, remember, um, Riding Eagle is out on Monday, and next week, people, we start our London Film Festival 
coverage. It is the 65th, the 65th festival, people. So, um, hey, look out for uh, uh, all of that that will be coming at you. But, people, we are done. We're off. We're going to bounce. Until next time. All right, people. So, I mean, I guess there must be so much friggin' kind of pressure on you when you've been attached to something that was so big, right? And, yeah, that, that seems to be the case, I'd imagine, for Simon Barrett. Because Barrett, you know, he, uh, he wrote, the Blair Witch Project. Well, I think there was a few people that wrote the film, right? So, but he was one of them people. You know, he's been attached to Adam Wingard and all of them man's them, you know? They, they've worked together a lot. Uh, so, you know, when you're messing around in the horror genre, there's going to be certain expectations there, right, so, um, Barrett makes his feature director, directorial debut with a new Shudder original called Seance, right, he directed two short films, right, but yeah, this is the first time he's uh, taken the reins of a feature feature, uh, so he wrote the film as well. Uh, it's produced by Alex Mace, John Shander Fedler, Thomas Dekeja, and Russell Aikerman. Uh, the cinematography is Karim Hussin. It's edited by James Van der Water. Um, Sicker Man handles the music, you know. Um, uh, how is that RLJE? You know, what I mean, they also, uh, you know, they put the film out, for, I believe, in cinemas in May, right? And uh, yeah, then it came to Shashada. So, um, our cast. You have Suki Waterhouse as Camille Meadows. Um, we've got then Inanna Sarkis. She plays Alice. Um, Madison Beatty plays Bethany. We've got Stephanie Sai as Yvonne. Uh, Dejolette. Amara as a Rosalind, Jade Michelle as Lenora, Megan Best as Kerry. Um, so they're our students, right? Um, Marina Stevenson Kerr plays the headmistress, Mrs. Landry, Seamus Patterson is her son, Trevor. So, yeah, that's essentially 
our caste, right? And um, you may wonder, what is this film actually about? Well, people, I will let you know. I'm glad you asked. At the prestigious Fairfield Academy, an elite, which is kind of interesting because I swear on the gate it says EA. Huh. I don't know. Maybe I um, read it wrong. Huh? You know. Um, but anyway, at the prestigious Fairfield Academy, an elite boarding school for girls, six friends jokingly engage in a late night ritual, calling forth the spirit of a dead former student who reportedly haunts their halls. Before morning, one of the girls is dead. Ooh. Leaving the others wondering what they may have awakened. Oh, people, how does that one grab you, right? Um, so as just go, you know, I mean, it's not bad. It, it you know, it, it kind of serves the purpose, right? You can be like, all right, let's see, let's see where this goes, you know. What I mean? Um, now. I guess there's there's a lot of questions in you know that just the whole setup, right? And especially the some the things that you learn later on in the film, you know, uh, because yeah, you know, this is how it opens, right? We see them standing in this dark toilet. They're holding a cam candle, looking into the mirror. And then they're, you know, going, oh, we're going to do this thing, right? And it it all turns out to be a joke, right? They're playing a prank. And um, one thing that is kind of there, though, these girls seem to do this all the time, which then would make you wonder, shouldn't there be a level of doubt? You know what I mean? Shouldn't there be a le if they do it all the time, right? They think you would be half cynical in anything that happens. You'd imagine, right? But we don't see that. But anyway, it's a joke. But then they hear a scream, and they think, ah, you know, what I mean, she she is just doing to us what we just did to them to her, but they go check and find she's dead, right, girl's dead, uh, and um, that leads to Camille arriving at the academy, which we don't get time, you know, any time references as such, right, it's not like it's like, um, you know, a week later, you know, or anything like that. But from what we ascertain, you know, from the way everything's moving on and everything like that, this must be a day, two days at the max, right? I say that because we still get all oh, the parents are coming to clear the room, you know, there's stuff in the room, there's all of that kind of thing, and you think, all right, well, the parents would have come 
straight away, right? There's certain things that happen kind of straight away and they're still in the process of going down. So that makes you think Camille arriving has to be a day, two days, three at the max. But I feel it, it was sooner than that, right? Which then makes you wonder how did that all come about anyway, right? But, 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 but. So she's a new girl, and the administrator, you know, to talk about, you know, settling in and blah, 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 right? And again, they do the thing where the, the new girl sits at a table, the um, established girls, you know, they arrive, and it's just like, hey, you're in our seat, which is just like, okay, all right. But uh, with the fight that ensues, I did like the fact that we didn't get the bullshit girl fight. You know what I mean? The girl fight that we always see. Now, hey, I do, you know, from knowing girls and talking with girls, right? Yeah, I do that, people. I, or should I, let, let me make that clear, women, right? But, you know, look, you understand that girls do actually fight in the way that is often depicted. You know, the hair pulling, the nails scratching, they do. But they but then girls also fight with slamming a fist into the face, right? And I think with the advent of you know women's MMA being huge now, you know, women's boxing it's getting better, but I think it's the women's MMA that has really kind of put a quash on some of the bullshit we've been seeing in TV and films, right? So with all of that, we actually see a fight fight. I mean, it's not really a fight. I mean, blows are thrown, but it's punches and elbows and, you know, I mean, it's not just the slapping bullshit, which I respect that. Right, all right, cool. I'm glad you're giving us certain sign, you know what I mean? But uh, so we have this. And it kind of then establishes Camille has a friend now in Helena, right? Which is cool. But the film then goes from there, right? Obviously, you have now Camille and Helena. Helena being um, a girl that is a little ostracized from the main group too. So they're forming a friendship then the main group and all of this. So we have all of this, right? And they're brought together because now they've all got detention. It, it's, it's those things that we see all the time. But I think with this, it is pretty, it's all a little transparent of what's going to happen. Like, if you, take, you, you see certain things, you'll be like, well, obviously that's going to be to that. You know what I mean? Or, you know, I feel at the beginning when Camille has a conversation with a certain character, like, I I just was like, well, obviously, we now know who did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of clear, right? It, it's, boy, it is clearer than a motherfucking window. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, all right, how are they going to play it all out. How are they going to reveal this? 
as a plot, as a story, as something that, you know, is believable. So we have all of that. Now, I think this is a modern day story. It's a modern day story. The internet and technology is referenced because, the, you know, as their detention, the headmistress has said, I want you to scan all of our documents and books and whatnot onto our database. So, you know, we have e-versions, you know, they're online. So it's been referenced, it's a thing. It's a thing within the film, but everyone still does that thing of acting like they have never seen a horror before. You know, they... We see them with mobile phones, but they don't utilize the mobile phone how you would utilize the mobile phone. I mean, listen, every mobile phone, whether you've got an Apple, you've got a, an Android, you've got a Windows phone, whatever the fuck you've got, they've all got torches built into them now. They've all got torches built into them. Just saying, motherfuckers. Just saying. Right? So there's all these. Things that go down, which, you know, they are kind of lazy horror tropes, right? But you do kind of roll your eyes a little going, wait, why would they be, you know, it, it, it's like things have happened already. Someone's been, someone's dead, which would give you pause, whether you're like, or is it a ghost, is it not a ghost, like whatever you're thinking, that would give you pause, right, now seeing countless horror films, TV shows, books, whatever, whatever, you would think that now everyone's going around in groups, no, no they're not, Right, so you get these flimsy excuses to be like, Oh, I've got to go and do this, and they go, and we see people go off and get picked off. Right, it's one of them things that goes down, which, yeah, you are like, What? what, what this makes no sense, this makes no sense, especially after there is a point in the film where they're like, Oh, is it okay to? you know, stay together this evening, right? So you had that, which you're just like, oh, man. So there's already been that established. So then to go forward with, I'm just doing this on my own, it's just like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Makes no sense. Like, anyone just doing half the things that we see, they it makes no sense. All right, so that's a little frustrating. I think as the plot is really just officially revealed to us at the very end, it is, it's a dumb plot, right? Because <laughs> what we, because we see something that, you know, the whole thing at the very, very beginning of the film, right? We see that. Now, one part of the plot is Oh, we did it. I did it because I didn't want people, I didn't want people to find out about. And you're like, 
okay, that's all well and good. But that wasn't announced until later in the film. Right? So it's just like you would if you didn't know at the start, then it makes no sense for the beginning. You know what I mean? You can't tie those two together because there wasn't the knowledge. So then you'd be like, but why then did you do it at that stage? Right? At that stage, why would you have done it? You know, that there is that. I mean, we do skate over the paedophilia <laughs> little moment. Because technically, yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's weird, right? Yeah, there's some weird here. But I think one big thing that it does drive me a little insane because the, the way these girls are throwing down, it's like they've never actually been hit in the face before. And it, we always have that big thing of, do you not understand a concussion? Do you not understand getting punched in the face? It's not that bullshit of oh, just walking through. No, you take a big shot to the face. Yeah, you're going to be a little stunned, right? And if you're going to show these girls fighting like they know MMA, then... Understand that we've seen MMA. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, now we have seen how people handle kicks, punches, elbows, all of that jazz. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think for years you could get away with just terrible fight scenes because of like WWE, right? We've seen people get hit over the head with chairs and thrown through tables, but get up still. And you're like, oh, oh my God, that's crazy. You know what I mean? So you've seen all of that. Uh, and so you don't question it as much because it's just like, have you been hit over the head by a chair? Because Hulk Hogan did and he got up. You know what I'm saying? So it's a bit like, all right, you might think, right, that's kind of plausible then. But now you know, right? We we know. I mean, look at fucking Shane Burroughs where he got punched and then just the delayed reaction of his brain shutting off. You know what I mean? It was just like, yo, that's crazy, man. But it's just, you get hit on the head, you ain't just standing up. You ain't just doing all of these things. It's just off. It's off. Another thing that I did, because again, you see it straight away, right? And it's just like, I hope that, you know, uh, an exclusionary thing isn't the fact that, oh, this character's a lesbian, right? That's why she's ostracized. And it's not said, but you, it's kind of implied, right? And especially with certain things that go down, you'll be like, I mean, come on, man. Come on. And why even throw in this love thing? Like, it, it was just a bit, un, it, I mean, just a bit, it was very unnecessary. It was unnecessary. I mean, come on, people. It's unnecessary. We didn't need to do that shit. I will say, right? I will say, I did think that Ella Ray Smith does a very good job as Helena. 
right? Because she's meant to be a little bit reserved, a little shy, unassuming. She she plays that well, right? Madison Beatty is, is, is decent as Bethany in what that character is meant to be. You know what I mean? Like Alice, you know, Anana Sarkis, she plays that bitchy, I'm head girl, kind of bullshit. She, you know, she plays that very well. Um, I mean, to be honest, we don't really get a lot of Yvonne. Um, so Stephanie's side doesn't really get to do much, but she definitely gets more to do than Gillette Amana, who plays Rosalind. And I... It, <laughs> The thing with this is, right, I always wonder, why even bother having a large group of people? Because if you're not really going to bother to utilize them, why do it? I mean, why do it? You do think sometimes, oh, it's so we can, you know, look like we're being inclusive. Hey, we got a, you know, <laughs> you know, we got an Asian character, we got a black character. Look at us. But you don't give the characters anything to do. You know, they like I think the uh hmm, the character, yeah, I was thinking what's the word? The characterization, it's not like it's deep on anyone. But it is wafer thin at best with Yvonne and especially Rosalind. You know what I mean? Ah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I mean, Jade Michelle's Lenora is, is decent, but she's meant to be a little, she's cocky. She's, you know, she does her thing. Um, But yeah, like, I. I Waterhouse as Camille, you don't really buy it. I don't really feel you buy it. You know what I'm saying? Because everything that that character is meant to convey and sell to you, I I just didn't see it. Didn't see it. You know, um, Seamus Patterson's Trevor... There, there needed to be a little bit more complexity with that character too, which we just don't really see. You know, which is a shame. Now, I will say, people, I will say, because, you know, it, it kind of looks like I'm completely dogging this film. Um, but, right, I, I do kind of think that if you're a fan of like stuff like Buffy, um, there was that school like witch thing that hit Netflix last year. I cannot believe I cannot remember what the fuck it was called, but it was based on that an anime, a long running anime series. You know what I mean? Um, so if you like stuff like that, if you like stuff like Buffy, Angel, um you know, those sort of shows. I kind of think that this will play okay for you. 
I, I, I think you will enjoy it. You know, like those divergent films and the, the you know, the Twilight stuff and everything like that. Just because the plots, I mean, they're not overly complex. You know, and hey, if you're a fan of those, you're a fan of them. Listen, you probably don't like half the stuff I like. It's cool. It's cool. But what, you know, what I would say is, yeah, this is for you. This is for you. It's not for me. It will be for you. So if you like those things, don't feel disheartened with what I said. Right? Because I think you will dig it. You'll dig it. You know? And, you know, there's girls fighting and all of that. So, yeah, you know, it's a female-heavy, female-led piece. So if, you know, you like that, that's empowering for you. And it's always good to see these kind of things, right? Then, yeah, I, I, I do think that seance will work for you. So, um, you know, it is a, a Shudder original. It's going to be on the Shudder platform. It's going on the Wednesday this week. You know, it went Wednesday this week, which, yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Because the film's usually at a Thursday or a Friday. Yeah, I, I don't know why they picked the third Wednesday. But, yeah, it is what it is. But, yeah, if you got Shudder people, boom, 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 you can go and enjoy it. Okay, so, um, yeah, there you have it. My thoughts on seance. You know? Oh, I will also say, right? You do one seance and it doesn't seem to go well, right? Would you really do more? Would you really do more? It's like, huh? <laughs> oh no, man. I don't know. They, they some kooky, crazy motherfuckers. But boom, there you go, people. Ah, it's on Shudder. Go have fun. Go enjoy. <laughs> Get your kooky, crazy. Yo, what's going down, people? Now, <coughs> oh, Lord. Woo. Um, hey, we, we always hear about films, you know what I mean, that are going to be big, right, are going to be the festival darlings. And I remember hearing about the starling and wondering what the fuck is this going to be about? Right? Is it gonna be about the bird? Like, is the starling a euphemism, a metaphor? What's happening? What's happening? And you saw the cast, and you thought cast is decent, right? Cast is decent. You know what I mean? Director, he did hidden figures, which won awards. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I have it. I have it. Haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah. Uh, I keep them planning to just shit gets in the way, you know what I mean? But you know, yeah, the caliber, right? It's got the caliber that so this should be good. Um, so yeah, I, I checked it out because it is now out on Netflix, and um, yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's directed by Theodore Melly. And Matt Harris 
wrote the piece. Um, Melly, Kimberly Quinn, and Dylan Sellers produced the film. Cinematography is Lawrence Scher. It's edited by Matt Feedman and Peter Techner. Music is Benjamin Wallafish. Um, yeah. Then we've got, uh, you know, as, as mentioned, man, we've got a good cast. All right. So Melissa McCarthy plays Lily Maynard and Chris O'Dowd plays Jack Maynard. They're, they're married, if you hadn't worked that one out. I mean, I guess they could have been brother and sister, but no, they are married. We have Kevin Klein as Dr. Larry Fine. We have Kimberly Quinn as Regina. She is a therapist. We've got Skylar Gizondo. Um, Santa Clara Diaries, right? He plays a character called Dickie. Timothy Oliphant, and oh, Dickie, he works with Lily. Uh, we've got Tim, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant as Travis Delp, who is Lily's manager. We have David Diggs, he plays Ben. He works at the place where, um, yeah, where Jack is. Um, Got Loretta Davina, she's Velma, Rosalind Chow is Fawn, um, Ravi Kapoor is Dr. Mamahan. Yeah, I mean, that they're, they're our main characters. We have a few other people floating about the place, you know, as you usually do, but yeah, they're our main peoples, okay? Um... So, right, the crazy thing is, this supposedly was on the blacklist, you know, and everyone all, see, this is a thing, right, the blacklist is meant to be this list of incredible scripts, incredible scripts, you always hear about it, and I have seen a few films that have come off of this blacklist, and they haven't necessarily rocked my boat, right? And yes, just because uh, you have a great script doesn't mean it's going to be a great film. There are a lot of components that come together to bring a film to life, right? But a lot of times you do read, you know, the script part of the film as well isn't great. So... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does always make me wonder, you know, about what's the deal with this one, right? What's the deal? But anyway, the gist is this. Um, a married couple suffers hardship, leading Jack to head off to deal with his grief while Lily remains in the real world dealing with her own guilt. As if Lily's troubles weren't bad enough, a starling that has nested in her backyard begins to harass and attack her, and she becomes comically obsessed with killing it. Lily eventually finds guidance from Lally, Lally, Larry, 
a quirky psychologist turned veterinarian with a troubled past of his own. The two form a unique and unlikely friendship as they each help the other to explore, acknowledge, and confront their problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this one, it, it kind of, we, we start off, right? And you've got uh, Jack and Lily painting you know, their daughter Katie's nursery, right? They're painting trees on the nursery and they're having an inane conversation. So that's how it starts. And I don't know, man, like straight out the gate, I kind of was just a bit like, I don't necessarily feel the energy between these two. You know what I mean? It, it didn't, feel like this crazy situation like these two were in a loving it just didn't didn't really feel like that you know what i'm saying it just it just was two people talking to each other essentially because both have these weird affectations right they're talking in a certain way that just it doesn't ring true. It just feels a little bit trite. Right? It's more like they're delivering lines. Like this is a play rather than a film. That's what it seemed like. And I've got to say, from, from what we see them do on this wall, when we see the final piece later on in the film, you're just like, hmm. That looks a whole lot better than the shit you started. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, what I know, it, you know, it's not necessarily that. You know, at the very start, we we see this intricate thing, but doesn't look like it could be anywhere near as good as what we eventually have. But you know, so we have this. Then you have, like, you know, some people that were, like, there's hints about Larry at the very start, right? So we have this. Then we get into this bird hole sequence, right? We've got synchronized birds flying, which, yes, look, I know they do. I've seen geese fly all together and stuff like that. And, you know, you see in documentaries and it does look good. The problem here is it looks so fake. Right? Now, this is a creed. I don't often spot CGI. You know, sometimes I've watched something and people be like, oh, man, it was good. But the CGI, I'll be like, CGI? I thought that shit was real. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a film I watched in, um, you know, for the London Film Festival the other day, right? And I got a chance to speak to the director. And he's talking about thinking, I was like, oh, there, there's this scene with the staircase. He's like, oh, yeah, that was CGI. I'm like, that was CGI? <laughs> I, thought, I thought they just, I don't know, did something to the camera. I thought it was real. But... <laughs> 
So yeah, I don't always spot this shit. And uh, the bird just looks so fake. Even I saw it. Even blind ass me saw that this bird was fake as a motherfucker. But yeah, so we see these synchronized bird stuff. Then one breaks off. And I thought, I thought it was chasing a butterfly or something. Right? But no, it, it's this long sequence of a bird flying down a wrapper, a, 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 a bar wrapper, right? It, and then it catches it and takes it to its nest. This whole city, like, it wasn't short. I mean, it wasn't, you know, 10 minutes, but it was long enough. And you just be like, what? Why? Like, why are we seeing? Like, it doesn't add anything to the film. Like, this whole thing doesn't add anything to the film. And it doesn't, yeah, as I said, look, it doesn't necessarily jump out at you at being some magnificent feat. You know, sometimes you we get these aerial shots or, or car chases or just things and you'd be like yo that was crazy how they did it. like i don't know man i just didn't get that maybe some people did i don't really get that with this you know what i mean but anyway so we have all of this and yeah then we kind of you know now we're getting into the film and so we're seeing a lot of different things right so jack He's he checked himself in to a uh, a clinic, you know, because he's depressed. Um, and Lily's going about her, her every day. You know, she she works in a supermarket, right? And so you know, we kind of cut between the two of them, right? Because essentially, you're seeing how. Both are dealing with this situation. You know, their daughter Katie, she dies. They, I don't think they actually say, but you kind of assume it's like a cot death situation, right? Because, yeah, for like me, I swear they do not say in the film. But, yeah, I, I kind of assumed that's what happened. You know, it is one of those Sid Sands... It's one of those two, right? What they call it. Um, but yeah, he's kind of all checked out. He's checked out. Frustrated, doesn't really want to communicate with anyone. And um, we see her trying to cope in other ways, right? There's a thing where you, you see her all the time in different scenes when she's at work trying to rearrange this one um, exhibit, stand, display, display. I was trying to think, what do you call it when you have all the food and it's all there and display, right? And we see her doing this. Now, this is when we kind of see her with Dickie. You're assuming Dickie probably lives close to her because he often, we see him at her house or you know, and then they go to work, or, you know, but, yeah, a lot of these 
proliferal, 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 um, like the bystander characters, the characters that haven't got a huge part, I can't, but it begins with P, I swear it begins with P, but it's the, the, you know, it's the characters that aren't huge, right, the little bit-sized characters, like, so a lot of them in here don't really have anything to do, right, don't have anything, like Dickie, you just feel like he's not needed, Dickie is not needed, if he disappeared from the script, it would still be the same script, still be the same story, you know, you, you have David Diggs' character, who's like a art therapist, I don't even know if he's an art therapist, but he just teaches art at the, the place that, you know, the, the asylum, the uh, centre, the hospital, I don't know, clinic, I don't know what you would call it, but he's there, again, doesn't really do anything, like, they're all surface level, there's no depth to any of these characters, and there's not really a lot of depth to Lily or Jack, to be honest, right, everything that gets said just seems very quippy, you know, there's no, like, they try and have these deep moments, but nothing really, I don't really think anything really rang true, right, it didn't feel heartwarming, it didn't really feel impactful, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's weird, because we've seen them both, you know, in, in stuff that's, like, being really good, you know, you watch it, you'd be like, yo, okay, that was really good, you know, I enjoyed the fuck out of that, but, yeah, I don't know, the Starling just doesn't, doesn't do it, doesn't do it, and that's, that is a shame, I think, what was it, Thunder Force was the last thing, I think, we, we spoke about with Melissa McCarthy and that, <laughs> that was a bit of a stinker, right, to be honest with you, now, I will say, Melissa McCarthy, she can really give us a good performance. And, you know, when you think about it, right, she was at the... I want to say it was the 2019 um, London Film Festival. I do... I feel it was that one. Because... Yeah, I don't think it was last year. Because I, I, yeah, I swear I went to the cinema and I saw it. It, it wasn't something that I just watched um, on the uh, computer. Fuck! I don't know what's wrong with me, man. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was that one. I do not think it was that one. It was, um, Will You Ever Forgive Me, 
right? Where she's the, the plag plagiarist. She was really, that, that was very good. That was, oh, whew. There was so much depth to that shit. But yeah, just not this. Not this. Like, um, they, you know, it, it, it's very transparent where this is going. You know? It's like you get Jack's therapist tell her that, oh, you need to see, I'm going to recommend someone to you. And as soon as, the, you know, she says that, you know it's not going to be just a normal therapist, right? You know it's going to be a situation and um, it's going to be a bit crazy, a bit out there. You know what I mean? And, yeah, obviously it is. And, you know, just everything they... Just, it's just like... Ugh. And, you know, it's weird, right? Because in the... Uh, in the synopsis, and it's just like, oh, they help each other. Like, you don't really learn anything about Larry. <laughs> to be honest, you don't really learn much about Larry. Right? It's just... It just feels flat. But the whole Starling thing, again, right, it's weird. But she sees... There is a nest. She knows there is a nest with the babies. Right? And I think everyone knows that then, hey, around the babies, all animals are a little crazy. Right? So you would either move or don't do anything. But don't try and kill something, but then be all remorseful because you did the thing that you were trying to do repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, it's just, yeah, it's just a bit weird, right? It doesn't, and it doesn't really revolve around that. Although they try and make it that it is, you know, like when you look at all the PR and the talking about it, it's like about her relationship with this starling. And it's not. <laughs> it, it doesn't really come like that. It doesn't hit you like that. You know, they can say it time and time again. Doesn't going to make it true. It's not going to make it true, people. But what can you do, right? What can you do? None. Can't do a thing. Boom. There you go. But, uh, yeah, people, I mean, it's on Netflix. If you like the cast, if you like Chris O'Dowd, Melissa McCarthy, you know, if you enjoyed old Theodore's direction with Hidden Figures, maybe, right, this will hit you in a different way. Maybe, like, oh, I just love... Loved this subtle hand and the way he delivers a story in this way. And yeah, maybe, boom, you do that. Hey, maybe, right, you have experienced cot death. So you might approach this film in a different way. You know? Just because it doesn't ring true to me doesn't mean it's not going to ring true to you, people. But it 
It is available on the old Netty Flix. So yeah, if this sounds like it might be for you, then why don't you mosey on over to old Netflix and give it a whirl. D Starling. Or it should have been called Bird Killer Tries to Strike Again. <laughs> I know. Doesn't quite have that ring to it. Doesn't quite have that ring to it, does it? <laughs> oh, there is a bit in this film, right? You know when they have those bits where, like, one person doesn't really do much and then there's a swing point, swing point when they open up and everyone stops and listens and he's rocked. We're like, <gasps> they try and do that here. Oh, my gosh, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Fuck. But, again, hey, might for you. Might for you. Go fill your boots, people. Just Okay, people, so, you know, sometimes I really regret agreeing to review shit, <laughs> you know what I mean, just be, and not because it's bad, right, not because it's bad, it's just because it's just so dark, right, you, you don't walk away feeling good. Like, it's powerful, you know, so you learn. You definitely learn stuff, but it's just, oh, it's so miserable, right? I, I think because, you know, when you you look at certain things and you, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, right? There's nothing you can do to help a situation. You just feel a bit like, well, what the fuck do I do now, right? Where do I go now? You know, kind of stuck, right? It, it, it's a similar thing, you know, shows like, uh, I don't know, Breaking Bad, Dexter. They weren't happy shows. You know what I mean? Like, I still haven't finished them just because you, you start, you know, you can't watch episode after episode just because you just feel so meh afterwards. It's just like, all right, I need to... I need to watch something friggin' happy now. <laughs> Otherwise, boy, I don't even know what I'm going to do. But, yeah. So, this is the thing, right? I just checked out David Wilkinson's Getting Away With Murders. You know, so, uh, it's a documentary that he co-wrote with Emlyn Price. And... Oh, yeah, I mean, people, this is about the, the Holocaust, right? Um, I think because, so it's out in cinemas on the 1st of October, which is the 75th anniversary of the trials at Nuremberg. Yeah. I don't, like, when you just think, that was 75 years ago, right? It seems crazy. 
You know what I mean? Like, because you think about the, you know, the, the, the Second World War, even the First World War, it seems close, right? It's funny how certain things, they don't seem as far away. Although, yes, you understand, it was years ago. But I think there's these certain events that touch, you know, the life of the world, right? Society as a whole. And they can never be shaken, right? It's probably, you know, when you look at things like 9-11, you know, people will always talk about that. It's funny because no one really talks about the massacre in Tiananmen Square. I mean, partly because, you know, (laughs) you're not allowed to, you know, well, especially if you're, you know, Chinese and whatnot. But, yeah, there's certain atrocities that will get talked about and others that, I don't know, they're just not there. But, yes, this is about the Holocaust. And, um, you know, some of the blurb, let's read. So almost one million people in 22 countries carried out the unprovoked murder of 11 million innocent men, women, and children. 99% of those responsible were never prosecuted. Most were never even questioned. Which, I mean, that is crazy, right? It is crazy. So despite the extensive um, cinema documentary coverage of the Holocaust to date, Not one has explained in any depth the almost total lack of justice statistically towards the vast number of eagerly participating perpetrators who, at war's end, simply walked away untouched by justice. And that's what Wilkinson's, you know, documentary Well, that was the motivation of his documentary, you know? I I, I think that's probably a better way to look at this. So this, this is not for the faint-hearted. I mean, you you have the subject matter, but also it's 175 minutes. Yeah. 175 minutes, people. That's long. This is, you know, it's just under three hours. Just under three hours. So he he gives a break in between, you know, an hour and a half in, right? Well, I mean, on screen it says intermission. <laughs> so I'm assuming if it's shown in a cinema, they will break for a period of time. Probably 15 minutes. That usually is the amount of time, you know, in certain things I've been to, they've kind of stopped for that period of time, right? But it's so heavy, right? It is so heavy. You kind of feel that, you know, you might need to come back after an hour or something to finish it off. Right, this definitely probably would have worked better as a um, 
you know, a mini series on TV, you know, or a streaming platform. Now, Wilkinson, he he does talk extensively. Well, I mean, we get sent, you know, certain materials. So there's a personal statement, which I believe is also on his website. And he talks about how he just wasn't able to, um, you know, get the funding. There's a lot of things, you know, David does talk about and does seem shocked about, which is slightly baffling. I have to admit, I am baffled, right? Because, I mean, I, I think... I kind of feel we know why these people were prosecuted, right? I, I don't really think it's a crazy, uh, uh, you know, a crazy thing, right? Because when we, when you think about just everything that happened, when you just think about the war in general, you know, and the amount of people that were cool with Hitler at the beginning, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even, oh, fuck, who was it? There was a member of the royal family in England who hung with him. You know, he, he ended up abdicating. Now, it's like he abdicated because he wanted to marry, you know, he, he, he the, his non-royal girlfriend. But I think in part as well, he was kind of pushed out because of, you know, the friendliness with the Germans. You know, it's like even, you know, Churchill at the very beginning was kind of cool with it. Like so many people were. It was, I think, so not like people just didn't see the magnitude of what he was doing. You know, it's kind of like with everything, you know, people do things on the low, right? And unless it's happening in your front door, people just don't really pay attention. So you have that, right? You you, you know what I mean? You have that. That's a big thing. People definitely felt embarrassed, right? You have the fact that America, Russia, I imagine the UK too. Yeah, I believe the UK took some. I think so think so. Uh, but all the scientists, right? the space race would not have happened without German scientists. You know, they're, they're, so there's all of these things that are happening. So if you are going to, you know, prosecute everyone, that means there's people that, you know, as I said, these scientists they wouldn't be able to do the work that people wanted them to do. Yeah. And also it's just, I think there's embarrassment and you like, it wasn't a good time, right? It, it just wasn't a good time. So you want to try and just move on, which, Hey, don't listen, understand. I'm not saying it's a good thing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it is a good thing. I'm just saying we, you kind of know what happened, right? You kind of know. And again, you, you have all of these people who 
there's it, it's a it's always a weird situation, right? When you have a dictator come in and implement stuff, because even now, you know, you you talk with people who are involved with you know some of the atrocities that have been happening around the world now, and they will say, "We had no choice." You know, we had no choice. If if we didn't do these certain things, we were going to get killed. You know, which definitely is a fact. Now, but also there are the people that were just down with it, down with it, which we see in this documentary, right? Because there are a heap of people who get prosecuted but get off, and their friends are cheering for them, and all of this, and it's just like, ugh, or their responses being, well, it was legal at the time, you know, you were allowed to do that to Jewish people, so, hey, we did it, you know, like, there's no remorse for the actions, and the people that are overseeing these trials, right? Because you had the Nuremberg trials, yes, where I think 24 people, I believe 24 people went up. Three of them weren't able to sit trial due to health. I think, oh, I think six were acquitted. And the rest, there was like, I think 12 were put to death and the others went to jail. It was something like that. But so that all happened. But then there were other other court cases as well. But you think some of the other ones, you know, they're, they're being run by people who were sympathetic to the situation. Right. Who kind of believed in what Hitler were doing. So, yeah, they're not going to prosecute, right? There's these things. You, you, it's always the issue with court cases, right? Because, you know, you have your jury. And there are always times of people in the jury who are just like, I don't believe that person did it. You know, there's people that believed, uh, Cosby was innocent. <laughs> I mean, OJ was innocent, right? There's people that believe these things in, in every every trial. But at that time, there, there's definitely there was a lot of people that were sympathetic. You know, it's um there's a documentary talks about Austria and how you know. In in the trials at Nuremberg, it, 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 when they talked about Austria, they talked about Austria being the first victim of Hitler and the Nazis, which is correct, right? And when you look at a lot of the other countries, you know, Hungary, you know, just the other countries in the area, you know, like, because um, we know Greece with... Uh, Greece, you know, Italy, they're all involved, right? And 
there were there were definitely people that opposed it, but then there were also people in these countries who handed over vast number of Jews, right? The and a lot of times when we talk about people, is governments. You know, so this is the issue. When when your government is corrupt or your government has a certain mindset, there's not a lot that you can do about it, right? There's not a lot you can do about it. So when you're you're trying to do these trials and the you know you, you're having governments oversee or participate or have a say in you know you're taking people from certain places to sit on the jury things are going to get a little messed up and i think mean, that's what happened you know like the crazy thing about all of this you're you're watching this documentary right and it's how the victims were questioned, you know, like what time of day were people shot? <laughs> what time of day were people shot? You had to show crazy proof that these people did this stuff, even though the these disgusting motherfuckers is where they documented so much of it right like all the a lot of the pictures we see of the camps right of Auschwitz and uh, you know just the, the horrendous things that happened there those photos were taken by the Nazis right which does blow your mind because you just think usually when you get footage of atrocities happening during a war, it's because you know, a journalist has risked their life to sneak in and take those shots. Or, you know, someone in the country has risked their life to take those shots. That's usually how it works. But no, the Germans, the Nazis took those photos, which is insane. But you know, you 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 had to have, even though there's all this evidence, they you know, when doing these trials, they wanted this ridiculous level of proof. So you're putting people through this insane ordeal, right? People that managed to survive these camps. And we, you know. The, the amount of films, documentaries, books, just all the things, right, that have covered this, so we know how bad these camps were. But every time you see the, these images, it, it, it still makes you feel sick to your stomach. You know, just looking at these bodies lying in these mass graves, and you just think, that person doesn't real. Right, how can someone be that thin and still be alive? Right, because of the malnutrition and everything, there was this weird look to people. They looked like they were dolls, like, you know, 
they were baby carved of wood or something. It's insane. But you have people that managed to survive. And, you know, on the day, right, on the day, even though people knew the war had finished, right, they still killed a mass number because it was just like, we can't have these people talking about this, right? So you had people that witnessed all of that who managed to survive. And to survive, you had to do some pretty gully things sometimes, right? Now, you're asking these people to come forward and talk about it. So there's that. But not only come forward and talk about it, they are going to be questioned and spoken to like they are scum. I mean, that is, that's insane. It is mind-baffling, right? And so they're being asked for this ridiculous level of proof to, did this person commit these atrocities? You know, it's just crazy. It is crazy. And yeah, that, that, that's the reason. That's the reason why a lot of people were getting off. Because, you know, you, it was hard to prove some of this stuff. And hard to prove being, you know, you didn't keep a track of what time it was when these things were taking place. You know, it, it just wasn't a thing. And also, these people are malnourished. Right? When you're malnourished, your mind plays tricks on you. You There's no cohesive thought. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we see all of this in this piece. Right? That, you know, it shows us all of this. It talks about the different people that will get, like Mengler, being able to leave and go to Argentina after the war. You know? And obtain his birth certificate, get a passport in the same name in Argentina, right? So it's not like, oh, they didn't know who he was. They knew who he was. He's a, and even then, he's able to, he came back to Germany, I think a couple of times, came back a couple of times, supposedly even stayed with nuns. But, hey, the fact we know how crooked the church is, that's not exactly a shock either. You know, and it's not just the fact the church is crooked, right? All religions, they don't exactly like each other. You know what I mean? They don't exactly like each other. So it's not like, oh, let, let, let's protect other people. It'd be like, yeah, fuck them. They're not Christian, so we don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? That is, it's that mentality a lot of the time. But, yeah, you, you there's a lot of things that you know, right? There's a lot of things you know, but then there's other stuff that you do. You definitely learn a lot with this documentary. You definitely do. I will say, Wilkinson... I mean, he isn't necessarily the best questioner, right? It's 
it is kind of weird some of the questions he asks people. You know, he he keeps on. There is a point where he he talks about the you know the number of people like Jewish people that were killed. He's like, um, oh, I'm from Yorkshire, and in this town, right? Or just no, maybe it's just the whole of Yorkshire. We've got, you know, five million, five and a half million people. And what would happen if all of those people were killed? What would happen? What would the UK do if all of those people were killed? You know, and, and he speaks to some guy at the end. He'd be like, "Oh, well, the government would go after every single person." He'd be like, "No, no, that isn't the case at all. It's not the. It's not true, right? Because when we have seen, there is a lot of people that are marginalized, and we have seen the way, you know, their killers have been." just let off right i went to an exhibition recently at uh the ica it was around um you know it, it looked at like the brixton riots the Tottenham riots you know just all of these different um protests and riots around black culture and you you see the mistreatment by the police, right? And the fact that even all of these things took place, like there's police officers that just were were let off, never prosecuted. You know, so to 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 try and think that, oh yes, the you know, the UK government is this, you know, the UK is some fair fair place and oh we would definitely have gone after no it's 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 not true it's not true right also when you when you look at these things again it's religion right religion is always a messy thing and throughout time there have been religious wars and atrocities, all of these things taking place. So, you know, because he, he points out that, oh, there was a time when um, Henry VIII kicked out all the Jews and all of this and what would happen. And you're like, yeah. all right. It wasn't the same numbers as the Holocaust. Yeah, of course, it was a bad thing. But there were so many bad things happening then. And around religion, right? You look at every single religion, even the Jews, right? Even the Jewish population, they have done a lot of atrocities themselves, right? So you can't just look at it like that. But yes, no, it's, it is crazy, right? I, I think the crazy thing is the fact that Pete, right? You, I never would have expected all of the people to commit who have committed crimes to be punished. Is I think we've just seen time and time again that never happens. But I think the, the real crazy one is when a lot of these people actually went on trial, right? So you had those people, the fact that they were allowed to get off. You know, 
you you had um the head of the UN head of the UN who had been listed as you know a person who has been responsible for a lot of the right but he was then able to become president of the UN and when this information finally came out which he was partly tried to cover up right because the UN supposedly went to look into all of this his name was given and he doesn't talk about it right but this news came out so he was banned from the you know he had to resign from the UN but he then became president of Austria right so you know like that's the real crazy shit that those things happened you know that this stuff came to light with certain people and it, it wasn't taken any further right that that's that's the whew, yeah that, that, that's the thing that got really crazy but yeah wilkinson he he puts together an interesting documentary it does jump around a lot right it does jump around a lot which gets a little bit confusing in places I, I I think he probably should have got someone else to do a lot of the interviews. All right, because he, he you know, like asking a question oh, to a survivor of the Holocaust, do you know anyone that's forgiven the Germans? I mean, it's just, I, what are we doing, David? What are we doing? It, it, you know, but. <laughs> I, you know, it's long, but I, yeah, it is something that is, it's in, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. So, as mentioned, it will be hitting cinemas on the 1st of October. And as part of the, 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 the release, there is going to be a number of screenings around the country with Q&As, you know, so, um, you know, there is one at, um, oh gosh, where is this spot, it is JM, no, JW3 London on the 3rd of October, that's Sunday, on the 5th of October, it will be at Glasgow Film Theatre, um, on Sunday the 10th at home in Manchester, on the Wednesday the 13th at the Broadway in Nottingham, on Sunday the 16th at Mac in Birmingham, the 17th, which again is, oh no, sorry, the Saturday, 16th is a Saturday, 17th is a Sunday, and it's going to be at that Heart House Cinema in Crouch End, London, uh, Thursday the 21st at Real Cinema in Boreham Wood. Um, the 24th of October, which is a Sunday, it's at the Odyssey, Odyssey Cinema in St. Albans. 
on Saturday the 6th of November. It's at Ipswich Film Theatre. And on Sunday the 28th of November, it's going to be at the Lonsdale Alhambra Cinema, Pond Reef. So, uh, yeah. They, look, if you're interested in this, and it is, as I said, it is very interesting, there will be Q&As at a number of cinemas. You know, so um, that information will all be, there. Will, you know, there will be a link um, in the, uh, you know, episode information. So if you want to, you know, see where the nearest Q&A is to you, just hit that and you will be able to find out people. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So, um, as I said, it's long. It is very long. But it is also very interesting. So if you want to find out why and how, you know, all of these people could have got away with... Uh, you know, with these horrendous crimes, then uh, David Wilkinson's documentary, Getting Away With Murders, might give you some of those answers. So, uh, yeah. Um, yes, people. <laughs> like, I don't know why I just did that. Dumb. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, hey, right? I, I, I think, you know, it's 2021. And you wonder to yourself, has, are we out of this shit or what? what what's the situation? Who the fuck knows? But films are still coming out. Feel me? We are still getting to see films, which is always a good thing. Now, sometimes... Um, there's been more difficulty filming than others, right? And, it, it, you know, I think some things we've seen work well under those circumstances. Some of them, I don't know, don't, it didn't really, like, I remember solos on Amazon. I, I just didn't feel it, man. I didn't feel it. Felt a little pretentious. You know what I mean? People just wanting to try and do a monologue. It was way too long. Each episode, way too long. You know what I mean? But, hey, sometimes it seems to work. And I feel with this one, it worked, right? So I'm talking about Ride the Elephant. Okay? So it is the new film from... Uh, Trent O'Connell. So Trent directed and he co-wrote the film with uh with the star Jack Johnson. Now they they know each other from New Girl, which I mean New Girl was New Girl was funny, like it, it's funny to me, like you know, the first being like I just remember the pilot episode, right? You have one of the Wayne's brothers, I believe, 
in one of the roles. And then the next episode, that character is played by someone else. So you're like, yo, what? What's this happening here? Like, huh? You know what I mean? Now, I don't know what the, the, you know, the time difference was between the pilot and the second episode. But it was a bit like, what's going on? And I enjoyed New Girl for um, maybe the first season. It got a little bit silly. Got a little bit silly for me. A little, just a little bit. Con- but you know, it's always the will they, won't they? All of that kind of thing. And then you have a dumb character who then you make something else and you add people. And it's just, it gets a bit much. You probably didn't need to know that. But yeah, Trent and Jack worked together on New Girl. You know, it's funny. Trent also worked with one of the other stars of the film. But before we get to that, um, Trent also uh, co-produces with Huey M. Park um, Johnson as well. Joe Hardesty and... Diarcy Carden, who Trent also worked with on The Good Place, right? That was another one where I thought the idea was intriguing, especially, like, the the twist in it. But again, I, I, yeah, I got a little bit tired, got a little bit tired of it. But I know, see, the thing is, all my peoples, they loved it. And they love New Girl. So, hey, it's not to say those shows are bad. I'm just saying. You know, I'm giving you my my take. So, cinematography is Judd Overton. It's edited by Daniel Haworth. Music is Jeff Cardoni. Um, and it is starring... <laughs> I will tell you, people. It is is starring so again you know jack johnson he plays leaf at the beginning i thought it was lee but no it's leaf which is just like yo what but it's not spelt leaf you know there's a different spelling so it does seem a bit like yo what are we doing here man um susan sarandon is his mum honey the rc carden is audrey uh, we got J.K. Simmons as Carl. Uh, Luis Fernando Gill is Gorka, who's got a bit of a Taiaki Watiti vibe to him. Uh, we have Cleo King as Missy. Um, Bill Buggengorf is a hiker. And Eric Edelstein is Officer Mike. Wilson, so um, yeah, there you go with the people's people. Um, and the gist, right? So, we follow Leaf, who is left with a um conditional inheritance, right? So, when his estranged mother, Honey, dies, before he can move into her picturesque cabin in Yosemite, so you know it's picturesque, people, he has to complete her elaborate 
to-do list with his dog, Nora. <laughs> so it's it's a funny one, right? So, like, I think when you see Jack Johnson, you kind of know. And I, I look, this isn't a slur on Jack, because you know, I said I liked his character in New Girl, right? That you know, it made sense, right? I I, I think the way he his cadence and, and you know the the like his being you know he kind of plays that that little bit of a dead bee kind of stoner-esque kind of dude you know it works like his vibe it works but i don't think you look at him and you think at this point Right, because we've we've seen a lot, so many people. You've got like look at Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber the Mask, to then killing it in things like uh, Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. So, but yeah, at this point in time, I don't think you look at Johnson and you think, oh, he he's this. He's gonna deliver us the these deep kind of Nick Nolte type performances. You know what I mean? But the performances we get from him, as I said, look, they work. You know what I mean? They work and you enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I, I think the things I've seen him in, I, I've had no issue with. I mean, he was decent in Jurassic Park. Um, you know, uh, I can't, like Tag. Yeah, Tag. Like, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse. I, it was a voice role, but boy, it's a great film, right? So, you know what I mean? It's a bit like, yeah, Oves, man. You know, you're, you're down with that one. But you kind of, my point being, you understand what this potentially is, right? But I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't know, man. There's, there, there was this happiness that I felt from the beginning. But we was like, we open up and we have... Uh, like, you know, we have a lady playing with a camera. Then she sits down and goes, okay, Leaf. And we're like, oh, okay, what's this? And then we get to him. Um, we just see him, like, playing in a band. Like, hitting the bongos, playing with his dog, jumping in a pool. And there is a, a joy. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it, it, other people feel the same. But I just got this sense of joy from this, these opening sequences. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, okay, all right. So I felt good. I felt happy. All right. And hey, sometimes you start a film and you're in a bad vibe, right? So out the gate, like you're not looking to judge, but you know, you're not coming in feeling charitable. 
But this one, I felt good. I felt happy. And so we then get, you know, this woman, Missy, turns up and gives him the news. Now, with everything that goes down, there's a lot of ridiculous situations and kind of circumstances. You'd be like, what? Come on, man. That's a little crazy. That's a little silly. But even though, you know, I mean, we get these silly moments, they they work and there is an honesty to it, even though, right, they're taking it to a certain level, right? They're having fun with it. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're being playful with this. There are those times when someone does come up to you and be like, hey, how you doing? Do you remember me? Oh, yeah, you remember me. And you're just like, oh, who the fuck is this? Who, who, who is this? You know what I mean? And you'll be like, oh, yeah. Hey, 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 guy. How are you? Yuri, you have no clue. But they are so, I don't know, they're, they're just on the, in their own kind of thing. So they don't kind of get that you don't know who the fuck they be. But it's just, yeah, it's odd. And they're talking to you like, you know, you hung out the other week when you might have seen them in passing once 30 years ago. Yeah, so I think with that scene, as I said, look, it, it, it's a silly, you know, it, it's played with that silly kind of notion, but there is something that you can be like, yeah, I know, I know that I've been there, right? And then it's funny, right? Because there's an ambivalence in leaf's reaction with his mum and that's you know because of the ostracized Ishan you know she abandoned him when he was 12 and she went and joined a cult you know what I mean? which is just like yeah obviously that's gonna create something but yeah it, it's it's I I do kind of relate just because you know sometimes and especially I guess in these last couple of years with the amount of people that have been, you know, dropping from COVID-related and then fentanyl and all of that kind of stuff. There's people who you enjoy watching or, you know, listening to or whatever, whatever, and everyone around you is like, oh, my God, oh, that person. And you're just like, meh. And it's not like you're a cunt or anything. You know what I mean? You ain't heartless, but I don't know. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's just, you know, I hear about death, and it's just like, well, you know, they were old. Like, what did you think was going to happen? None of us live forever. Or, yeah, they were out of shape. Of course they were going to die. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I got it, but he he then has to go to the cabin to do this to-do list, so, you know, I, I think, and again, this film, as mentioned, it was, it was filmed during strict 
COVID protocols. So with the way it is, right, it makes sense. Like, you know, Susan Sarandon, who plays Honey's mum, she, we see her through these videos. And, I mean, Susan, she always gives us great performances, you know, and her being older, right, yeah, you think, obviously, you know, you don't want her on a set, but it 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 made sense, right, from the nature of the story. So you're like, yeah, I buy it. I, you know, it doesn't seem a stretch to rock it like this. Um, you know, the Gorka, his bandmate, right, again, they are in close proximity, but not, but that, that again makes sense, right, you, you can get it, dude is, you know, he, he's hungover, he doesn't want to get out of bed, do you be like, yeah, I buy that, and just that whole interaction and everything like that, Yo, it's on the silly tilt, but boom, it makes makes sense. Even when we bring in, you know, Audrey, right? He's ex. That whole situation, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, there's the teases and everything about it. And it's a, you know, there is a, a silly element of it, but you can have those conversations. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, plenty of times you have those, be like, oh, of course I know who the fuck you are, right? And then, oh, I'm going to do this, but I, you know what, I can't do this. You know, like all of it, 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 it works because it is silly, but there is a truth to it, right, so you can enjoy the film, you know, like, there's definitely, yeah, it's not a serious film, but there are serious tinges to it, right, there are these moments of poignancy, you know, uh, how he is dealing with the loss and all of that, and he's processing these emotions, he's processing, you know, some of the tasks his mum's asked him to do, you know what I mean, like, because I think at the very beginning, when he first sees it, he's just like, eh, speak to someone huh, who got away and do these things, I and mean, it's just like, eh, I don't know, but then, as you sit in these things, right, with, with a lot of stuff, you know, the initial emotion is one thing, but as you stew in it, things change, right? And I think <laughs> as you're watching it, as it, it gets to these points where, oh, is it getting real serious? We get certain things that be like, no, no, it's not. Like, um, you know, ah, oh, your, your, your mum, you know, we were, we were lovers, Yuri, or, uh, yeah, you know, I, I really miss her, and, you know, just the way she tasted in the morning, be like, yo, what the fuck? 
like what the hey your mom she liked threesomes and gang bangs and be like i don't need to know that but it it works right i think there's being stupid and too silly right too over the top and there's been films that do that. And you'll be like, ah, I mean, it was okay, but it just went a little too far, right? For for what we were seeing, right? It, it went too far out of the box. But with this one, I think they they really just paired it just right, right? It, it's tiptoeing on those edges. But yeah, just staying in contention, right? Just not going over the edge of, ah, yeah, you lost it. Yeah, lost it for us. You know, so yeah, there was preposterous things said. But, it, you know, it worked. It worked. So I, I, I found myself not really knowing, you know what I mean? Like, how this would be. Yeah, sometimes you, you you hear about something or you, you start and you be like, oh, I know, yeah, I'm going to dig this. So I don't know. Like this one, I just didn't know. I didn't know. Um, But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. And again, you know, at the end, I, I, I they were, yeah, I, I was smiling. I, I, yeah, I just felt content, right, with this character's journey. You know, it's not something that will revolutionize your world, but it is nice. Now, I, I, I read somewhere someone's talking about it, saying it's a Garden State rehash, and I'd be like. I mean, if you really think that, I don't know, man. I mean, you might need to uh, reevaluate your your prescription because I think they're two different films, right? I, I think Garden State was a was definitely more serious, but you know, still had that playful edge to it, right? But dealing with completely different things, you know, there is that isolation and slight separation from family, but with that one, you know, there was this reasoning behind the things that happened, and it was just getting people on the same track rather than a full resentment, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I thought they were completely different films. And it's a little disjustice to kind of go, they're, they're the same. And Bright Eagle is just, you know, it's trying to be or tread that ground. Because, yeah, I, I just think you, you look at it in a different way. And, you know, as I said, look, the, the whole not having people in, the, you know, the same vicinity. Because, I mean, the only people he really kind of is in a proper sitting with is... No, actually, he does mess with Gorka, 
But yeah, Missy Gorka and uh, Carl. But it, it all makes sense, right? I, I think you can look at it and you wouldn't be like, oh, it's a COVID film. Obviously, it's a goddamn motherfucking COVID protocol film because the, the nature of it, you'd be like, no, it... I understand why everyone would be a part and this goes like this, you know? So, yeah, I think it works. I think it's nice. You know, if, if you want something that just makes you feel a little bit happy, you know what I mean? Something to adjust the, the pH of the room, as it were. I think Ride the Elephant will do that for you. Yeah, I think it will do that for you. So, yeah, it's out on the 4th, which is a Monday, people. So, uh, yeah, and go to all your favorite VODs and um, check out Ride the Elephant. And there's an, like, the jokes in it are, are things that work and just a little ridiculous you know what I mean? I, I think especially, you know, you have those conversations, you know, phone sex and just like there's things that can be awkward or, or you know, you'd be like, ah, I don't really do it. And OK, let's try and make it, you know, just, yeah, I think everything makes sense. Right. Everything makes sense, even when they, you know, just up it just that touch, up it just that touch, but, you know, not too much to make it just insane, so people, go check it out, ride the elephant, and hopefully, right, hopefully, it makes you feel, you know, that same happiness that I got when I checked it out, okay, so people, enjoy. Yo, people, woo! Yes, 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 it is that time once again. It's Thursday, which means echo chamber, baby. And boom, as we do, we start off with the uh, UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 24th to the 26th of September. So people, at number 10 is James Wan's return to horror. It is Malignant. And um, this one stars Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hansen, and George Young. At number nine, we have got... What's at number nine, people? Oh, yes. It is The Cruds to A New Age. Hmm. <laughs> At number three, new in at number three, 
should we say it is the new one from david lowry it's the green knight and um playing old sir gawen himself is dav patel we got alicia vikander as izel joel edrington is the lord some interesting business. So at number six, people, it's uh no at number six. God damn it, I can't count. At number seven, even it's some um, puppy crazy with Paw Patrol the movie. All right, so Cat Bunker is to blame for that one. <laughs> Which means at number six, don't look into a mirror and say it five times, but it is Candyman. Yes, yes, yes. This is Nia Da Costa doing her thing with, um, I don't believe it's a sequel, right? It, it, it's not a um, just a remake. It's a reimagining. It's set within the universe. You know what I mean? That's what I've heard. So, um, yeah. It's meant to be interesting. And, um, I, you know what? I'm going to try and bring myself to see this. I, I really am, people. But it is time. Time for a little top five. And I did that because at number five is respect. Yeah, it's the Aretha Franklin story. Her Lizelle Tommy is bringing that to us. Jennifer Hudson is playing Aretha herself. Forrest Whitaker is C.L. Franklin. Ooh, Marlon Waynes is Ted White. Yeah, haven't heard anything about that one, though, people, to be honest with you. At number four, it's a little concert movie for you. Right, it's Oasis at Nebworth 1996. So, um, Jake Scott is bringing that one to you, people. So, um, we're getting close at number three. It is Sean Levy doing his thing with Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Cormer, Tahiti Wahiti, Little Ray. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's alright. At number two, all you Sopranos fans kind of sneaked up in there, right? Alan Taylor, Alan Taylor, even brings us the Many Saints of Newark. And don't worry, David Chase is producing. All right, now um, we got Leslie Odom Jr. We got John Buffanow. Vera Famiga, we got Joey Coco Diaz up in the place, so I'm interested and still doing its thing at number one. People, whoo, Destin Daniel Creighton doing his thing for the MCU, it's Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Simi Lu. Aquafina, Tony Chow, 
Woo! Michelle, you, this was a good one, people. So if you haven't seen it, what the fuck you doing? But that's our top 10. Let's get into this week's films. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> people, yes. We, um, yeah, go check them out. Get ready, people. Buckle down. Let's go. <laughs> 